0: good morning church good morning. how are y'all doing y'all like good today i hope you guys are enjoying worship isn't that amazing incredible um so i am so honored to um speak this morning but before i um, i start i just want to say if you guys haven't been here the past couple of weeks pastor trey has been teaching on gifts and last week he preached a sermon on witchcraft not what you think if you are not here. If you weren't here, I cannot stress how badly you need to go back and listen to it. That sermon has been talked about in our house, I think maybe more than any other sermon. My kids would be like, ooh, you remember when pastor said that? That was really good too. And lots of the stuff was like, it was like, ouch after ouch after ooh. You know, it was good. Like you went home convicted and challenged and if you have not listened to it go back it'll be worth your time i've already gone back and listened to it and i was here so y'all make sure that you go back and listen to it and don't forget to be here next week is are you continuing the series oh okay so we have a standalone next week but you guys know it's pastor trey it'll be amazing all right if you guys would stand with me this morning in honor of the reading of god's word our text today is found in exodus 25 10 through 22 and it says have them make an ark of acacia wood two and a half cubits long a cubit and a half wide and a cubit and a half high overlay it with pure gold both inside and out and make gold moldings around it cast four gold rings for it and fasten them to its four feet with two rings on one side and two rings on the other then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold Insert the poles into the rings on the side of the ark to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. Then put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law which I will give you. Make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, and make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. And make their wings spread upward overshadowing the cover with them the cherubim are to face each other looking toward the cover place the cover on top of the ark and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that i will give you there above the cover between the two cherubim are over the ark of the covenant law i will meet with you and give you all my commands for the israelites jesus we're just so grateful to be here today in your presence What an honor it is to worship you. And so, Jesus, I ask today that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God. We thank you in advance, God, for meeting us here. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So something that I really enjoy that I kind of geek out a lot about is archaeology. I love studying archaeology. I love... um, just the whole process that goes into it and a funny conversation that I had with um, my husband and my daughter this week we were we were talking I was like I just love archaeology that's what I really should have gone into at school when I went to college I shouldn't have gone into music I should have gone into archaeology how cool would that be and they both looked at me and started laughing (laughs) because they're like mom you don't even like to go outside it's all outside (laughs) so they're not wrong about that, but I'm still very fascinated <laughs> by the whole process. Um, but digging in dirt, and there's apparently snakes and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, nope, I'm gonna, it's going to be a hard pass for me. But I, I love the process of it. There's a, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but if you are like me and you love archaeology, there's a book. It's a Christian fiction book. It's called A Skeleton in God's Closet by Paul Meyer, and it's Exceptional, exceptional. Anyway, that was free. But when I was praying about what I needed, what I was going to preach on today, and really studying and studying, Lord started highlighting some stuff to me. So I go back and I start digging in. And my first and last, because I was doing this last night again at one, 1 forty-five, something like that. Um, my first and last sermon prep was actually to go watch Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Has anybody ever watched Indiana Jones or Raiders of the Lost Ark? Has any? Let me rephrase that. Has anyone not ever watched Indiana Jones? I knew there'd be like three of you. Oh, more than that. Okay. So, um, but I I love the whole process that Indy goes through. I mean, he's really cool and he has the whip and all that stuff. And there's a lot of snakes and everything. So, no spoiler alerts there. But um, when I was studying about the Ark of the Covenant, um, the whole premise of Writers of the Lost Ark is Indiana Jones is trying to find the ark of the covenant um spoiler alert there's melting faces at the end so right um but when God told the children of Israel that they were to construct an ark he was very specific about the requirements we just read there are some very specific requirements that he put in place for the children of Israel and um for the five of you who haven't seen the movie at the end, you can see God doesn't play when you don't. When you don't follow the requirements that He has for you, there's consequences to your actions. Um, but recently, like I said earlier, I was studying and really digging into all the different pieces of the tabernacle. And you guys, it's really cool. It's really cool. All the things that God did and all the things that He wanted in place. Um, one of one of the things that I just found. Fascinating was in the tabernacle, there's different layers of the veils that you go from place to place to place. Did you know one of the veils was actually made out of dolphin skin? They believe it's dolphin skin. Isn't that cool? I mean, you guys, the Bible's cool. Whoever tells you it's not really cool and interesting, they're just not paying attention. But as I was studying and digging into it, I, um, there, the, the, The article that I was reading listed everything that was in the tabernacle. And then it took you into the Holy of Holies, which was the innermost room in the tabernacle. And the Holy of Holies, only the high priest could enter. And in the Holy of Holies sat the Ark of the Covenant. And it was giving specifics about the Ark of the Covenant. And then it said on top of the Ark of the Covenant sat the atonement cover. And I was kind of struck by that because I'd never heard that term before. I've grown up in church and I've never heard the term atonement cover. So I kind of dug a little deeper and I found out atonement cover is only called atonement cover in one version that's the NIV version. Everywhere else, the atonement cover is actually called the mercy seat. And I was like, that's so cool. I love that because of what the mercy seat means because of what it represents but before we dig into that i want us to take a closer look at the ark of the covenant what what that was so i have a picture for you guys of what they think the ark of the covenant actually looked like so here's a picture of the full ark now we know that the ark was made of acacia wood um if you watch indiana jones and the Raiders of the lost ark they want to tell you that the whole thing is made out of gold it's not Um, it's a gold overlay all the way around it. Inside the ark, um, there was all kinds of stuff. They're in there too. But inside the ark, there were three items, and God told them to put in these three items. Do we have the three items? (laughs) So, yeah, in the ark of the covenant, there were these three things, the the law, the covenant that God made. Um, Then we have the gold jar of manna, And you have Aaron's butted staff, his walking stick. And um, I want to read to you again the scripture. It's in, it's verse 17. It says, make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide, and make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other, and make the cherubim on one piece of the cover and at two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other looking at the cover. Okay, so now I want to show you a picture of what we call the mercy seat. So what you see in the middle, the, the whole thing is the cover, the atonement cover. But what you see in the middle, in between the wings of the cherubim, that's the mercy seat. And the reason that's significant is that is where the presence of God would come. If you remember back to the last um, verse, it says that, that God says that's where I'll meet you. That's where I'll give you the laws, at the mercy seat. And I just, I was really overwhelmed by thinking about, as I dug into it, what all this meant, how it applied to us. And the mercy seat, As you you look at it and you really dig deeper, it represents the presence of God as well as his glory. The very glory of God rested there in the middle of the wings of the angels. And so I I prayed and I was like, Lord, how does that apply to us today? How, How can we take what the mercy seat represented then and what it represents now? And the first thing that God really highlighted to me was the mercy seat covers. It literally covered, but it, it covers us as well. Back then the mercy seat covered the Ten Commandments. Now y'all, this is kind of a this has been kind of a point of debate in our house this week because I don't know if y'all know my husband, but he's like a walking Bible encyclopedia. And we were having this conversation because there's historians all over the map on this thing but a lot of people believe and I think this is correct based on Scripture that the Ark of the Covenant was actually created before the law had been given that's significant because God knew there's there needed to be a place for the law that would become the standard it would become the standard for all laws for the world There's a copy of the Ten Commandments that actually hang in the Supreme Court of the United States of America, not because it's a religious institution, but because it is the standard for moral law. That's significant. That's significant that God said, before I ever give you the law, I'm going to create a place for it to be protected. I'm going to be a place for it to be carried out. I'm going to create a place that it's safe and it's covered. And then so are any of my jbqers in here jbq was a thing that we did a while back do any of my jbq kids remember what covenant means covenant is a contract or agreement okay 10 points jbq so anyhow a covenant god made this covenant with his people and it was a promise these laws were a promise between god and the children of israel now god knew Because he knows us that there is no way (laughs) we were going to be able to keep these commandments. He knew we would fall. He knew we would fail. And even then, he created a covering for it. Even then, knowing we would fall over and over again, he said, I'm going to protect it. Because this is the standard that we're going to hold ourselves to. This is the standard that someday you will see it can be done. And it will be done. It's good stuff, you guys, to think that God would cover a law that we could never, ever fulfill. And then the second thing that was in there was the gold jar of manna. And for those of you that don't know the story, God provided manna every day to the children of Israel as they wandered in the, in the desert for 40 years. And every day, every morning, they would go out there, and God was very specific again, gather just enough for what you need for today. And i'm going to make sure you have everything you need for today if they ever took more than what they needed it would go bad because god said you just take what you need for right now it's going to be all about you trusting me to give it to you the next day and the next day and the next day i love this story because for so many reasons but this gold jar of manna represented provision like we've never seen provision that God said not only will I provide but you're going to wake up every morning at some point expecting me to provide imagine what happens if we wake up in the morning and we know there's a need that needs to be met but rather than even asking for it we walk in the knowledge that it's already done that is the covering. God said, put a gold jar of manna in that in the, in the Ark of the Covenant so you can be reminded that I always provide. I've never not provided, and I'm not going to start today. So he put this gold jar of manna in there and said, I am your provider. And then Aaron's butted walking stick, his staff. You guys, I don't know how well you know this story, but I love it because God's so extra. (laughs) Aaron and his descendants were called to be high priest. Other Israelites rebelled because they were jealous, and they said, well, why can't we be high priest too? So God said, okay, I need a walking stick from every leader of every tribe, and I want you to place it in the tent of meeting overnight. So number 17:8 tells us on the next day Moses went into the tent of testimony and behold the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms and bore ripe almonds God's like look I'm not going to make it any clearer to you not only did it bud but here's some something else for you to eat in case in case you don't think that these are the people that I have anointed to be the leaders in the house. God said these were the people. I love um, then number 1710 says, and the Lord said to Moses, put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony and keep it as a sign for the rebels. That means keep it as a sign for the people who were like, but I want to be a high priest. It'd be my turn. I'd make a great high priest. And God said, my word is the word. My word is the last word. When I say this is the person that I've anointed, then we say, yes, God, how can I do to help them further the call and the vision that you've given them? And so they put this staff in the Ark of the Covenant to remind them them that his word is the word. Remember, you guys, this was a walking stick. A walking stick is dead it's a dead piece of wood but what i love is that god says i can take the dead things and bring them back to life if it's what i call it when i call it done is only when it's done i can still make the things that you think are dead and gone and broken and over and i've you've even thrown it out and god says i'm not done until it's done And so they put this in there. And I love that these three items that were in there because I believe that they represent the very nature of God. Simply put, he loves us. He loves us so much and he knew that as much as he loved us, we're a little slow. And we were going to be needing some constant reminders of who he was. We were going to need to be reminded of his law because we were going to mess up. We were going to need to to be we needed to be reminded of his provision because even though he provides over and over and over again we have to be reminded and then he reminded us that his word was the last word so we had Aaron and Moses place these important reminders inside of the ark the covering protects and preserves what's inside the next thing that was really highlighted to me is that the mercy seat it prophesies so the whole the whole process of the high priest preparing for the day of atonement which now is known as yom kippur it's the most holy day in the jewish calendar but the whole process that the high priest went through Was actually a year-long process from the day after Yom Kippur till the day of they were doing things in preparation for the Day of Atonement and I just think it's it's really so important to look and see that God does nothing by accident everything he did was pointing towards something Everything God asks of us has a purpose. He isn't doing it just for fun, just for grins and giggles, right? That's not who God is. His nature is always, always our good. And as he was preparing these things, and as he was pointing the way to something that they didn't even know what it was, he was very specific with them. And so much of it had to do with teaching them to be obedient, teaching them that obedience was where they had to dwell and they had to live. And the Day of Atonement was a day that the high priest would make sacrifices to atone for all the sins of Israel. And y'all, they had some stuff going on. So I think the priest was probably pretty busy, right? And the, the day, that day was always also significant because it's the only day in their whole calendar that the whole nation is called to fast And to rest and that's because God wanted them to reflect it's a very solemn day it's not a day of celebration it's a solemn day it's a day that they're looking back on the sins that they've done and sins that they've committed and then they're to rest because these sins have now been paid for through the sacrifices made if you read Leviticus 16 it gives a super detailed account it's really stinking cool of uh, what was required for this day, but especially the high priest, there were two sacri- there were two goats that were used, and there was a, a dice um, that was rolled and one was picked and it 's a whole it 's a really cool thing you even that 's where we get the term scapegoat. I just think it 's really cool um, but all these before all these requirements were in place, only then was the high priest allowed to enter into the holy of holies. And the reason that that's so important is because had these things one after another, these requirements one after another not been met, then the high priest could actually die. If he entered the Holy of Holies without all of these things being done correctly and in order, he would die because they couldn't stand in the presence of God. Even when the priest entered the holy place, he entered it three times. Even he would enter it one time and he would just drop incense and leave again. But he had to drop incense because there had to be a veil of smoke. Even then, he couldn't look straight on God's face. He couldn't look straight into the presence of God because he hadn't been given access. And the priest would place the blood on the altar. And only then, only then would the presence of God be able to dwell there because sacrifice had to be made for God to enter a sinful world. As I was studying this, y'all, my spirit was just all over the place because here's the thing. I know the story. I know the beginning of the story, but I know the end too. And I knew what the blood would do. I knew what was going to happen. I knew that every action that God was having the children of Israel take, thousands of years later, the lamb would come and restore access that we had never had before. And that leads me to our our last point that the mercy seat restores the Bible tells us in Genesis that God walked and he talked with Adam and Eve. He was in perfect communion with them. There was no barrier, there were no requirements to spend time with him. He was just spending time with the people that he had created and he that was his desire and then sent into the world, and God could no longer dwell in sin. And what I love was, even though God could no longer dwell in sin, every move he made from that point forward was to restore the communion from the time in the Garden of Eden. All he wanted, all he ever needed, all he desired from us was communion, but he could not dwell where sin dwelled. Hebrews 9-11. So here we are now. We're flipping all the way over to the New Testament, y'all. Hebrews 9-11 says, but when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made by human hands. That is to say it is not part of. Of this creation he did not enter by means of blood of goats and calves but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood thus obtaining eternal redemption the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean so they look good right but inside they weren't How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered him unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? For this reason, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. The goal... Was communion. The goal was communion with Him. He wanted to be with you. So Jesus became the sacrifice, forever giving us access to the throne. The requirements were no more. The, all the steps that they had to take to be there. When Jesus died on that cross and His blood was spilled, spell, the veil was torn that was it access had been forever granted to us the mercy seat that we saw the covering that we saw the mercy seat Jesus became our mercy seat we no longer had to have a physical arc of the covenant because we had Jesus who acted as the covering over everything he was the covering over the law he was the covering over provision he was the covering reminding us that his word was the word At the cross, God's mercy and judgment met just as they did on the mercy seat. There, God's judgment was placed on his son. And I just want you to take a minute and think about Jesus hanging on that cross. Every sin that you will ever commit, that you have ever committed, it sat on his shoulders. Y'all, I don't believe it was just our sins. I believe it was every disappointment, every sickness, every disease, every broken marriage, every time we would need provision. He took it all on him. And do you know why? Because he saw your face. He saw your face and he said, You are infinitely worth it. And My whole goal has been communion with you, and I will hang on a cross a thousand and one times if I have to to restore communion with you. But because he was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it only took once. It just took once for his blood to come and change everything. It changed everything. You guys, I I want to show you a picture one more time. I want you to look at this picture of the cherubim and they're facing one another and when i was really digging really deep remember in the underneath the covering of those wings is where the spirit of god would come once everything had been prepared for him that is where they would come And the reason why that's so significant, these are cherubim. In Genesis, in Ezekiel, in Isaiah, and then in Revelations. Somebody needs to get excited with me. Genesis, Exodus, Ezekiel, Leviticus, Isaiah, Revelation. These angels look at each other. And they say this phrase, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, we know who he was, who is who he is right now and is to come and he always will be. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It is no coincidence that those cherubim sat on that mercy seat and over and over said to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Because God abides in the praises of his people. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Lexi, come here. I wanna give you an example of what this looks like. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come holy 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 is the lord God almighty who was and is and is to come holy 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 is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come holy 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 is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come somebody needs to get this in your spirit this holy, morning holy holy holy, holy. Holy is the Lord, is the Lord God, God Almighty, Almighty who, who was and, and is and is, and is, is to come. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, Lord God Almighty is is who was and is and is to come. There are many times in our lives, you guys, where we're desperate, desperate to feel God move. We're desperate to feel the move of the Spirit. We're desperate to be in God's presence. It's as simple as holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He abides in the presence and the praises of his people. You want to spend some time with Jesus? It's holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. There is no place you can go. There is no situation that you're walking through that holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It's a bigger? that is what dwells on the mercy seat and that's what dwells here today holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come let's sing this song together I want you to find someone right now and i want you to say back and forth to each other holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come okay go ahead find your person
1: just took my my mind to those angels facing the glory of god and i felt like holy spirit said you know what Trey? you know what the problem is these days and i'm like i don't know lord what is the problem these days too many people are gathering the angels to look at the need rather than glory we're all looking at the tomb of lazarus <laughs> rather than looking at the dusty road of the one coming down to bring the rescue. The thing that you look at always enlarges in your life. The thing that you put focus on always gets bigger. So I just want to encourage you guys, Dana, great, great word today. I want to encourage you guys this week, and let's sing this again. Let's intentionally, you know, when the priests went to stand before the glory of God, they had to actually leave the problems outside the tent. And so rather than us kneeling down saying, but God, here's the issue. Here's the issue, it's so big, and you're big, and you can fix it, and you can do this, and you can do that. Let's just, you can worry about all of that when you get home. Let's just look at the glory of God right now. Can we do that? Let's sing it again. Put your focus and your attention only on the glory of God this morning.
2: I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are.
1: up. Don't you give up. Don't you do it. Don't you walk away from the promise of God that's on your life, that thing that you've been holding on to. Don't you walk away from it because he's faithful. Amen. Alright, well, I want to send you out with a blessing. We are done. We're going to let you go support a local restaurant or mom or dad's kitchen. I do want to remind you that or tell you that next week, if you have a a child and zero to fifth grade in e kids. We have splash bash next week. It's gonna be a water fun day where kids learn about Jesus and get wet. So they're gonna get a flyer when they leave today. Make sure they're wearing water shoes and bring a towel and all of that stuff. And uh it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good hot wet wonderful wonderful day. All right. I just bless you in the name of Jesus. I bless your spirit to lead your soul and your body, to walk into all that God has for you, to trust him more and more, to understand his goodness, his provision, his atonement, and the freedom that you have in Christ. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We'll see you next Sunday, 1030 a.m. God bless you.